0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast for today, Tuesday, October 4th. Really glad you've joined us. My name is Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors here at First Family Church. And the Extra Point Podcast is our weekly opportunity. I should say it's normally weekly. We miss a few in the year. It's our weekly opportunity, however, to look back at the previous week's text, sometimes a topic, and bring out further application, deeper observation, additional insight, And this week, this Tuesday, I want to talk a bit about what I would call the Jonah Syndrome. Uh, We mentioned it briefly in our message last week as we were in Jonah 4. It really comes out of verse 1 when we see that Jonah was uh, greatly displeased uh, because of what the Lord did, which was to show mercy to the Ninevites. In fact, we gave the literal translation of verse 1, which is, "...it was evil to Jonah with great evil." And so it's hard to render that in readable English, but you get the real sense, don't you, that it was something that Jonah really, really deeply, um, uh, deeply angered Jonah to the point that he actually accused God of doing wrong in showing mercy to people who were Jonah's enemies. And so I simply told our church that I don't think Jonah's alone in that, that we probably all struggle trying to hold two things in our hands. Um... that the the hatred of sin, especially in certain arenas, when that sin is vile and terrible, and we know all sin violates God's holiness, yes, but uh, from a human perspective, certain sins really just um, cause deep righteous indignation in us, and yet we know we have this responsibility, even this privilege, to share the good news of Christ's forgiveness with people. And so this is a This is what makes sharing the gospel to all peoples humanly hard. Remember, it's worded that way on purpose. We know it's divinely possible. We know it's even divinely mandated, so no one's arguing about what we should do. I'm just admitting to you, I'm confessing to you that it's humanly hard, especially at times when the recipients of the good news, there are people with which we have sincere, deep-rooted, fundamental differences, I would say even um, moral dilemmas. Now, I promised you in the message on Sunday that I would share with you on this podcast the group with which I struggle the most. And I want to keep that promise to you. And uh, in all transparency and vulnerability, I I want to share with you, I think the the people, and I'll say the group, or even I could say the ideology with which um, I, when I look at it and view it and see it, it causes a deep, righteous indignation in me. And I find it very difficult at times to then balance with that my responsibility and privilege to share the good news with them. I know I want to, and I should, and yet I find um, a revolting compulsion in me, um, a revolting revulsion in me towards what they're doing. And that is those who so... um, blatantly espouse the right to murder babies in the womb. Now, it's called abortion, but I'm convinced and am committed to calling it what it actually is, and it's when uh, you murder a child in the womb of a woman. It's the protective place given by God for babies who are being formed, who are being knit together by God, as the Bible says, and yet we have now turned that into a tomb, And it's not just become something that's rare. It's not become now just a medical thing used when the life of the mother may be at risk. Those are very difficult situations, no doubt. It's now become almost the hallmark of the left. It's become their standard that they fight for that. And and I hope you realize what's happening in our country. There's a group of people fighting for the right to murder children. This is horrendously vile. And this is the group that when I look at them and hear them and watch them, it's I find myself trending toward the Jonah syndrome. And so I just want to kind of walk with you through my own journey through that, give you some things that I do to help myself and to not fall into that in, an, in a deeper way, while at the same time trying to hold a really strong stance and a compassionate posture at the same time. So I'm, I'm kind of going to bare my soul here a bit. You'll probably find my, you'll find me and hear me without words at times. Um, but this is probably the issue. And I would say not politically, but morally that most concerns me in our country. I am a one issue voter. I'll make my, I'll be very clear about that. Here's why. And I've written about this before. Um, if we, when we budge on this issue, it doesn't matter what other issues we, uh, Negotiate or work out. If we don't protect life, it doesn't matter if we have lunches for poor people, if we have medical care for senior citizens, none of that will matter because we've budged on the most important one, and that is life at the beginning. If we can kill babies in the womb, if, as some have even suggested, we can kill them up to the last minute, and even as I think it was the Virginia elected official who said, if one is born and the mother still doesn't want it we can let it die to the side that's my quote of what he said if that becomes standard operating procedure if that becomes accepted morality we're in a we're in a terrible a morally wicked predicament and so i i don't see this as a political issue in one sense it's a moral issue and so we have to as god's people stand up against this and for life. And so I've written about it. I've been very clear about my views on it. I preach on it at least annually. And in this podcast, I'm saying to you in a very vulnerable fashion, this is the issue. And if I can be this clear, this is the group of people with which I find um, my righteous indignation really surfaces in a great way. And I, I struggle to balance great compassion and responsibility because I feel like the wickedness is so deep. Just a few more words here. Then I want to bring in a guest to share with us his own story about how he saw this really take place. This is happening front and center in our culture, okay? Um, The mayor of Atlanta, she talks about how this, um, the heartbeat is a manufactured sound. She said that just on a Wednesday, I think September 21st. When I heard that, I, I just, it made me shudder. That, that this kind of propaganda is going out about actually what's medical science. The governor of California just last week um, okayed 13 additional either uh, laws or policies or regulations making abortion even easier, and what's uh, so blasphemous is that he's using the words of Jesus— on billboards that invite people from our country to go like Cal- go to California to get an abortion, I mean it's blasphemy in the at the deepest level, and so all these things are happening. I'm seeing them, I'm hearing about them, reading about them, and my soul becomes morally uh, conflicted in some ways that I I want to see God judge and bring righteous um, vindication for for what He has declared to be the right. Uh, moral way. And yet I know that many of these people, if not all of them, need the gospel. So this is kind of what's in my heart all the time as as I pastor people, as I watch our culture, as I read the Word, I, I know the responsibility. I want to share the gospel. I want to preach with compassion. And yet I find such vile, blatant, intentional wickedness in regards to preserving life and saving babies. So as all this was going on in my head and my heart, reading Jonah and preparing to preach, hearing this in our culture, uh, Brett, my son, um, he and his wife were expecting their fourth. Well, they had their first visit, and I was telling him about what Stacy Abrams said, and then he relayed to me the most ironic story. So Brett, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad, glad to be here. Glad you're here today. A little bit of a long intro there. Thanks for waiting. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about your own experience with um, this kind of whole situation about there's no heartbeat now, it's a manufacturer's. And I thought this was, and I say the word funny, not as in hilarious, but, uh, and I don't even want to say ironic, it's just sadly um, interesting, isn't it? It's intriguing how such things are intersecting at this time. Tell us about your your first visit.
1: Yeah, so we, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, I don't remember, the 26th, it was Monday the 26th, so if Mayor Abrams said that on the 21st, like five days later, we went in and you for... And were, you weren't aware of what she said, no, I you went I, in. Yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I wasn't aware. So we went in on the 26th, and this is our, obviously, the fourth time that we've had, like, the six-week visit. We have three other kids, And so we go in, we actually took all of our kids because we're like, okay, this is a special moment for them to, you know, they've been excited. And it was, we like all as a family for a while, we're praying for God to bless our family with a baby. And the kids would pray that. And they would, you know, I think at one point in kids' ministry, they said like, are there any prayer requests? And our oldest son said like, pray for our family to be blessed with a baby. So they've been excited (laughs) about it. It's something as a family that we can do. And if, if anything, that like just gets into their heads in 20 years, they're going to hope, man, they might still be faced with this. And so maybe they'll have 20 years of seeing that like babies are a blessing. Um, so we get there and they're all there. We're all kind of waiting to hear it. And, you know, um, we're standing kind of like behind the monitor so we can see, and you know, they're six and four and two. So I'm like trying to corral them, we're just waiting for the time of like, okay, play the sound. And, um, the woman who was the ultrasound tech, she got to that part of the exam, and she said, oh, well, we don't play the sound at this early. Um, and she didn't, like, get into a big political thing, or, like, she didn't even say, we you can't hear it. She just said, we don't play the sound this early. Um, and I was shocked by that, because it's happened before, and it's not like I mean, our oldest son is six. It's not like in the last six years there's been some insane evolution that then the sound is no longer uh, able you know? to be heard. Like, it's no different. Um, you and were kind of
0: wondering, like, what's going on? What's different?
1: Yeah, I was just like, I kind of, honestly, in the moment, I just thought, I mean, the lady was not very personable. So I kind of just thought it was her not wanting or being annoyed by us having three toddlers in the room. Okay. Um, I didn't take it politically. I just thought, like, well, I guess she doesn't want to do it. Um, the crazy thing for me was being in the world of television, like video and sound and things like that. Like I was... This is what you do. You produce sound. I was seeing the monitor and I could literally, and she has to, she had to say, she told us the heartbeat. She said 166 beats per minute because they're required. That's what they're checking on. (laughs) And I can see it on the screen. I can see the, the lines going, I don't know if that's 166, but whatever it would be. Sure. Yeah. And I know in my mind, like, sound is a physical thing. It is literal waves. We can't see them, but there are physical waves that get blocked by, like, it's a physical thing. And so you can't just, if, if it's making the beat, the sound is there. Like a tree falls in the mm-hmm. forest, it does make a sound, even if no one hears it. The heartbeat is. There's the answer
0: to the question we've been always wondering, right? Yeah, (laughs) but
1: the the the, the heartbeat is making a sound. Mm -hmm. If it's beating, there is a sound. It's physically impossible, like sound science, for there to be no sound from that.
0: Yeah, mandates that there's a sound. Yeah, there it's
1: it's emitting sound waves. Now they might. I mean, obviously, that you need special instruments to be able to detect that.
0: but, but you were seeing the sound yeah, on the screen.
1: Yeah, the waveform is visible. But she wouldn't play it for you. No, and didn't, and, and the vibe in the room was almost of that like, oh well, it's not possible. Mm. It, and I, she didn't make it political, but it felt very much like I, I can't even, if I wanted to, even if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, I didn't really think anything of it other than just like that's kind of weird. Um, but we've been to different care providers for our kids. So our one experience, you know, you go to a different one, they have a different different procedures and stuff. So I kind of just took it as like, well, this provider. This they do it they, differently. They do it differently. Um, it wasn't until you had told me about that quote from Stacey Abrams that I was like, wow, like this is, who knows? I mean, who knows the actual procedure or the person that put that policy in place?
0: If there is a policy, we don't know there is yeah, one. Yeah, we don't know there just is to be one. be fair it to the organization. Could have
1: just been that lady, or like it could have been a coincidence, but it seems like an increase in the amount of nefarious activity. It does, doesn't to it? To try to stop people, because I, I don't know the data, but I'm pretty sure the data behind hearing the heartbeat and continuing with an abortion are inextricably linked. That mm-hmm. when you hear that, you, it, it makes it a lot harder for you to go forward. They don't want you to hear that. Yeah, so... That humanizes... You're right. ...what's in there. It the legitimizes yeah.
0: what we've been saying for all these years and what God's Word says. And so yeah. when you when we had that conversation, it like you said, it, it made your mind start wondering what's really going on.
1: Yeah, you kind of start to question, like, well, maybe it is. Like, maybe they don't want people to hear it. Maybe they are being purposefully, you know, trying to keep people from seeing it truly as it is, mm-hmm. a baby in the womb and not a clump of cells.
0: And so when you hear that story, listener, understand what I'm after today is for you to to hear and see why sometimes our righteous indignation—I'm using that word intentionally today. I could use the word anger, but I want to make sure you understand it's not an anger that results from wrong reasons. Our righteous indignation begins to deepen, doesn't it, Brett? You begin to th- think, like, okay, who's fighting against the life of my child? And
1: Yeah, you just start to question, like, you, you, you kind of just question everything, and you become—I became super skeptical of the care provider, which then is, I'm trusting to care for my wife and child up through this entire gestation of the pregnancy and the birth and then mm-hmm. the aftercare, and you start to question, like, well, should I, should I even trust these people if they have such—if they possibly have such a
0: different ideology— than I do. Mm-hmm. And you're speaking here of the provider. Let's be clear. Stacey Abrams does have a different ideology. Yes. In fact, why don't we just do this, Brett? Uh, we've quoted her. We said what she said. Why, why don't we just hear what she said exactly? Let our listeners hear what people are saying about human life in the womb and see if your righteous indignation deepens and becomes weighty in ways you've never known. Let's play this clip. There is no such thing as a heartbeat that It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. So we could unpack that in a hundred ways. Uh, We'll not do that on this podcast, all right? Just know that when you hear that, I hope that as a believer in a local church in a small town in Midwest America, I hope that your senses and uh, the moral uh, weight of, of things it, like it deepens, it rises, it widens up everything about your body says we can't just take this sitting down. And at the same time, I hope that you realize those very people need Jesus and that you realize with me, while wow, this is a hard this is a humanly hard thing to do. that was my point Sunday and Jonah was right there. Jonah was looking at people who were his enemy. Who, were, who had killed his fellow countrymen, who would eventually later capture 10 of those tribes. Um, and this is the group that I find myself struggling with when it comes to the Jonah syndrome. So I'm going to ask you, Brett, before I share a couple of pointers, I'm going to ask you, maybe what are some things—I know you feel strongly about this issue, too. We've had a lot of conversations about this, and you have a, a great ability to be clear and precise in, in many ways— Are there some things that you do, and it may not be this group, but what do you do when you feel like you're hedging towards the Jonah syndrome? You know you have a righteous reason to be indignant, and yet you know people need Jesus. Anything you want to share with our listeners? Your home church, the church you helped start. I mean, just give us some insight, if you want, that might help our listeners.
1: Yeah, for me, it it boils down to two things, but I, I can't say that I always it's not like these things are always on the forefront of my mind, and I immediately run to them when I encounter situations where it's easy to find yourself um, having kind of like a... I forget the word, like a misanthropy or like a hatred for men. Um, But the first one is kind of that phrase, whether it's from a hymn or someone, uh, there but for the grace of God go I. Um, That like the way... That Stacey Abrams thinks, and the way that the world thinks, that's how I would think if God had not reached down and opened opened my eyes to the gospel. And I think that's even further influenced by just thinking about that theology, some of the theology of sin and its noetic effects, that sin affects everything, and even our minds. And so, like, the minds of people who aren't Saved are affected by sin, and that's why some of the things, some of the things that are being espoused about this issue, they're illogical. They don't make sense. Well, that's because people's their minds are affected by sin. Mm-hmm. They they cannot they can't think logically.
0: Yeah, the word for that doctrinally, by the way, is total depravity. And so, just kind of notch that away. It's a good word to remember. It's part of our doctrine here, and it means that every part of us is affected and infected by sin we're not as good as we could be and though at times we're not as bad as we could be uh every part of us uh, is affected and infected by sin and sometimes god's grace common to all or our conscience or even just certain environmental factors prohibit our depravity from coming to the surface fully so there's all kind of factors here but internally you make a great point Total depravity is a doctrine we believe. We are all in every part infected and affected by sin.
1: Yeah, and I think for me personally, sometimes the mind is the part that escapes that for me. Cause mm-hmm. it's you don't see it. Um you can see like how, you know, people's actions or their bodies or the world is affected by sin, but you don't see people's minds. And so um remembering that, it that's probably just what helps me remember like it could have been you yeah and like people like that's that's how you stay compassionate for them is like they their mind needs jesus they need free they need the ability to think ha, have enlightenment um and so i think that's what i try to remember when i find my righteous indignation over this issue mm-hmm. bleeding into i hate that person yeah when like the person becomes synonymous with the thought or the or the ideology, which is in politics today, that's actually what I mean. Identity politics is the thing. Mm-hmm. So people and ideologies are so linked, and and that's really tough to separate. It is um, hard to separate, and very convicting if you like. If you actually, I, for me, I'll just say for me, if I actually like kneeled down at night and said like I'm gonna pray for Stacey Abrams, I mean it's so convicting, because mm-hmm. then you, you really see, like,
0: how much you don't want to do that. Yeah, and I think that's the one tip that I was going to bring to the table. I'm glad you mentioned it's good segues. When I notice that happening, um, I just try to pause and pray for them. And here's why. Uh, you can't pray for someone and remain mad at them. Now, that's common language, but I think our listeners get the point. Um, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. And what I love about that verse is he admits they're an enemy. Like He doesn't say that you like them or that you agree with them, but he still commands us to pray for them. So I, your theology is so helpful because when we realize that could have been us, were it not for the grace of God, then we pray for them. And what I hope you don't hear, listeners, is there's not arrogance in that. There's uh, I'm actually confessing to you, this is a struggle for me with this group especially. But yes, It could have been one of us who thought that way and was promoting those vile ideas. By God's grace, it's not. And so let's pray for those who are still trapped within that. Now, I'm going to take a few more minutes and engage in one of the topics because it's interesting that when Paul asked the Thessalonians to pray the Word of God would get rapid traction, he said that there are wicked men who oppose it. And I find comfort in that, that Paul was willing to call out men— who were wicked because they're opposing God's Word. But then he said those wicked men are actually under the influence of the evil one. So when I pray for them, I pray that they would see God's gospel light and that the blinders that Satan's putting on them would be removed. Because really, they're not our enemy. I know they are humanly, which makes it hard to share. You're right supernaturally, divinely, in the in the bigger scheme of things, what Augustine would say, the city of God kind of world, they're not our enemy. Satan is. And so we pray for them that they'll be freed from being blinded by Satan. So that's a lot there. Um, but, yeah, there are people who operate in wickedness because of Satan's influence. So anyway, when you feel yourself going toward the Jonah syndrome, I think Brett's um, insight here is helpful. Remember... Um, There are no exceptions apart from God, and God's grace has kept you from that. And then when you realize that, pray for them that they'll experience God's grace. I'd say one last thing. um, Whatever you do in the middle of all that, don't get weak knees and a soft spine. Stand strong. Uh, These are morally weighty times we're in, and we have to be God's people standing up for what is a, a moral issue here all right and i would encourage you support your local pregnancy centers such as alpha women's center the agape pregnancy resource center informed choices up in ames there are probably other ones as well let's do all we can to continue to get the message out that uh, it's life in the womb it's not uh, just an option and we must preserve and protect it and this is the moral commandment of god Brett, any last words you want to share on this longer edition of the Extra Point?
1: Uh, no, you. I, I think if anything, just really that verse you shared, or you know, Jesus says, "Love your enemies, uh, pray I'll, for them." Yeah. yeah, He says, "Pray for those," and he takes it one step further: who's who spitefully use you, mm. and that feels like like some like Stacy Abrams could feel like my enemy, but I don't know her. But sometimes, like that, can become really tough when you feel like this is someone I know Mm. that has spitefully used me. Even pray for that person. So I think it just like marinating in that verse and letting it soak, saturate your your life. Yeah, um, can really combat some of that uh, lack of compassion for people that might. Stand, find themselves standing in an opposite ideology.
0: In fact, let's just do that right now as we close the podcast. I'm going to pray for our enemies, and trust me, listener, this is not out of arrogance or pride. I'm not trying to showboat or, uh, you know, uh, flaunt anything. I just think this would be a good way and a good moment to obey the scriptures. Let me pray for us, Lord Jesus. Uh, give us Holy Spirit empowered and supernatural compassion for those blinded by the devil who are espousing a culture of death and who promote the killing of children in the womb. Would you help us to pray that they would see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ and be saved? And Lord, use us as instruments of that message in whatever way you, you elect. May we not resist opportunities when we encounter them to share that news, even while we despise what they stand for. God, give us Holy Spirit power to balance conflicting uh, emotions and feelings. We trust you with this, and we pray for the end of abortion in our country. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.